Good morning, church family. How we doing? It's Red Sunday. God loves you. How we doing? The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Is he resurrecting you? Excellent. Well, we're going to be in uh, God's word together here in just a moment. Uh, and uh, as we always do, we're, and we're in a series called Witnesses as we study through the Bible's book of Acts. So um, something I want to mention, kind of looking back just a little bit before, I, before we open our Bibles, or, well, you can go open your Bibles, but before I start, um, Pastor Matt mentioned this a few minutes ago, and that is uh, a verse that we've, we've looked at a little bit together in recent weeks. Uh, Amy and I just got, my wife Amy and I just got back uh, from out of town. We did a little 24-hour jaunt to California, um, fly down Friday, fly back yesterday, and so I could be up here teaching God's Word. And uh, we, we had the opportunity to be with family at a memorial service in the San Jose area. And, um, and you can, of course, you can pray for the family of that, uh, of that person who passed away, uh, good, our, our dear family who are experiencing that loss, and you can pray for them as they grieve. But as is the case, when a believer in Jesus graduates to heaven, it was really a, a sweet time. And a, and a great opportunity to reflect on her life and all that God did in her and through her. And, um, and so that was a, a, a great time, and we were encouraged to be part of it. Um, last Sunday, or, or maybe even multiple Sundays in a row here, we've mentioned that Jesus said these words in John chapter 16. Um, we'll put them on the screen. John chapter 16, I think it's 16, am I right? Let's put, there we go. Yeah, John 13, is that what it says? John 13. <laughs> By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. And so I just was thinking about that yesterday as we, as we reflected on the life of this dear woman, this dear believer in Jesus, who I think her love for one another, the love that she showed to others, to fellow believers in Jesus, but also to those around her that did, didn't yet know Jesus, I think that her love for others gave her an opportunity then to share the good news of Jesus. And this is what we want to ask ourselves every time we come to God's Word and every time we, before the end of our earthly journey, reflect on our lives and what God is doing in us and through us and what He wants to do with our lives. I think we have an opportunity here uh, for our love for one another, the way that we interact, our unity, our care, the way we are family together with fellow believers, gives us an opportunity to explain to people looking at our lives of where that love comes from. The way we interact with each other and care for each other gives us an opportunity to explain to people why we're so generous with our time and our energy and our, and our money. People are, are watching our lives and wondering these things. When we love one another, it helps us to show people why we put others first, because God first loved us. It gives us opportunity to share the reason we have for the hope that we have. And so um, let's ask God to keep doing that. As he works in us, may his love flow out of us, and may that give us an opportunity to point to Jesus. Open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Acts chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then you'll find Acts. You don't, don't, don't be afraid to use your table of contents. Use the Bible app on your device and find the book of Acts in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you'll find Acts. 
Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, and that's where we'll start here in a moment. As I mentioned, we are in a series of messages teaching our way through this book of the Bible called Acts. And in some ways, uh, the, one of the most pinnacle key verses of this book was very early in this book. One of the, 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 where we got our theme, our theme of this series is witnesses. And we look back at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it'll be on the screen, and we are reminded that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus said to his followers, you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God, God himself living within you, empowering you, enabling you to live for him. So empowered by God's Spirit living within us, we are, as followers of Jesus, to be his witnesses, ambassadors, testifiers to what he has done in our life. And this verse reminds us that we have a sending God, a God who sends, who sent his Son into the world to rescue us, a God who sends us into the world to be a conduit of his love and a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus. And because we have a sending God then, as we get into Acts chapter 3 today, we're going to see as we start reading Acts chapter 3 that now we have examples for us in the book of Acts of a church, of a group of Christians, a group of Jesus followers who are living sent. They're sending God has sent them and we begin to see these stories of these early Christians living sent moving out into the world. Everybody say, into the world. Into the world. They're moving out into the world, and they're not alone. They're with power, empowered by the Spirit of God living within them. So we want to, as we look at these examples from early believers, we want to ask ourselves, how can we, the church, the people of God, how can you and I, as Holy Spirit-empowered ministers of the good news of Jesus, how can we impact the world around us, our spheres of influence, those we interact with daily, those we don't yet know, our community of Dallas and beyond. How do we, as spirit-empowered ministers, impact the world around us? So Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1, as I often do, let me urge you, put yourself in this true story. Some of you have read the Bible before. Some of you may have heard this story before. But as we often do, let's, let's help each other to put ourselves in this true story and ask God to speak uh, freshly to our hearts. Acts 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John, these followers of Jesus, these early leaders in the early church, now, Peter and John were going up into the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, where that person would ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them. This is the man that is lame, fixed his attention on Peter and John, expecting to receive something from them. So what's happening here? We have a man who is at the gate of the temple. He is lame since birth. And what's he doing as these people are passing by? Begging, asking for money. 
but, but what I want to stop, I'm going to stop occasionally here as we look through the scriptures and, and, and help us to step into it and help us to see what God might want us to learn from it. And I first want to just mention before we get uh, to the awesomeness of verse 6, don't look yet. Um, living on mission, living sent, has Peter and John out in the world looking for how they can be a blessing and how they can be proclaimers of Jesus. Living on mission causes Peter and John to go to where the needs are, to go to the people and to look for needs and to respond to them. Uh, In the Gospels, in the stories of Jesus' life, uh, Jesus had called his followers to be fishers of men. And it was, this was this idea of, hey, be, you were fishers, you, some of you were fishing for fish. Now Jesus is saying, we want you to fish, I want you to fish for men. I want you as a follower of Jesus to go help other people meet Jesus. And so he's called his followers to be fishers of men. And I love this story here because Peter and John are not waiting for the fish to come jump in the boat. God has sent them into the world where the needs are and where the people are. And he's asking them to respond. Peter was sent. He went out into, the, into people's lives. He took Jesus with him to the needs. Now, is it a good idea for us to show God's love to other people by inviting them to come to, to be with us to worship on a Sunday morning? Is it a good idea for us to invite people to come and learn and hear from the Bible and learn about Jesus? Yeah, of course. And I hope you have opportunities to do that. As you love people and interact with people in your spheres of influence, you certainly, one way you could care for them is invite them to come and see what you are hearing from God through his word each Sunday and gathering with your family, our church family. But this is a, these examples in the early church of, of these early Christians, Peter and John here, are going into the world. They're not waiting for the fish to jump in the boat. They're going out where people are, where the needs are, where people are hurting, where people are far from the love of God and desperately need the good news of Jesus in their lives. So then, before we get to verse 6, let's recap where we are. There's people streaming into the temple area, and there's this man, lame from birth, laid at the gate, and he is begging. And he's, he asks Peter and John for money, and Peter and John say, look at us. And so the man fixes his attention on them, expecting to get something. And then we have verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I do not have money, but what I have I give to you. What I have is the power of the risen and ascended Jesus who rules and reigns from the right hand of God. What I have to give you, man, laid at the gate, is the power of God to heal you and to change your life forever. That's what Peter says. Compassion led Peter to meet needs. Compassion caused him to see this person that some may not even see. Compassion had Peter and John not only see him, but look for his needs and where he was hurting and what his life was like and what God might want to do in, 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 through this man's life. And so 
compassion led them to meet this man's needs. Spiritual, yes, they pointed him to the power of Jesus, but even his physical needs. They're, they're looking to make a difference in his life. And then what I love about it, we're going to see this more in a minute as we continue to read the passage, is Peter and John make sure that he knows where the power came from. They make sure that they, that they don't get the credit for this miracle. So we have this opportunity to do this as well. Followers of Jesus, faith, church, family, we have an opportunity as well to meet needs for people, to meet both physical needs and their spiritual needs. We certainly can um, look to meet needs. What are some of the basic needs of, of humanity that we can look to help? Help me out. What are some basic needs that we can meet? Food, water, shelter, maybe medical care. I mean, we could go on and on, right? There's ways that we can look and see people and look to be conduits of God's love for them by meeting needs. And then certainly, along with that, we certainly can meet spiritual needs by pointing them to Jesus. Um, God may use your prayers to bring about healing. God may answer your prayers for miraculous healing with a yes and with his power in people's lives. And then there's so many other ways that God, can, that God can use you as a conduit of his love to share comfort, encouragement, prayer. We want to point people to Jesus both with word and deed. We have good news to share about who Jesus is. And we want to also point to God's goodness by our deeds, by our actions. All right, so verse 6, the awesomeness of verse 6, Peter's response is, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And I love what happens here from verse 6 to verse 7. Verse 6 is, hey, buddy, I got this thing for you. By the power of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then look at verse 7. And then this is so Peter to me. Peter takes him by the hand. It's like, what happened between verse 6 and 7? I'm trying to picture it. Are you putting yourself in the story? He said, hey, rise up and walk. What happened in the split second between verse 6 and verse 7? I don't know. I mean, if you're the man, is it, is it something like, like, who, me? He just said, rise up and walk. I mean, maybe there was a second of stunned disbelief. Maybe there was, there was not a, an immediate movement. Maybe the man didn't immediately move, so Peter goes to grab him by the hand and lift him up. I mean, it's just so classic. Peter, he's ready. He knows what God is going to do. And so verse 7 tells us Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. And now, now what word do we have? Immediately. A man who was lame from when? From birth. And then the word immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. Verse 8, and leaping up, the man stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who, past tense, sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Again, sometimes we read this, and I don't know if we pause enough, or I don't know if we put ourselves in the story, so help me out with this. What do we know? Look at those first verses of the man we meet in verse 2. What do we know about this person? Look at those verses, starting in verse 2, as we meet this person. What, what do we learn about him? Give me some of the things. He's a beggar. 
Huh? Can't walk, lame from birth. What, where do, what do they do with him? Brought every day, they're car- and, and, but by walking? No, he's being carried, right? And they lay him at the gate, and we already covered that he's begging there. Okay, so there's the before picture. And now let's paint the after picture. Look with me at the verses in God's word that we just looked at, starting in verse 7. Give me some of the phrases. Now what do we know about this man? He's walking, leaping, praising, feet and ankles, what? Strong. Yes. And we're getting to that. You're awesome. Good way to good catch. Yeah. Look at that before and after picture. I mean, church family, let's just, let's just take a second and, and enjoy the, the fullness of this miracle and say that this is not just a life that you're living and you think it's pretty okay and you got some good things going for yourself and so you think, I'm going to go to church every so often and sprinkle in a little Jesus. That isn't what happened to this man. This man's life is flipped upside down. This is an entirely new existence. This isn't just sprinkling in a little bit of Jesus. Can I get a little money from you? No, let me tell you about Jesus. Okay, I believe Jesus. This is man, rise up and walk because God loves you and is powerful. This is a whole new life. And so what do miracles tell us in God's word when we, when we come upon these stories of miracles? Miracles give us a picture of what salvation through our great God, does for us. Miracles are a picture for us, an image of a, of a deeper reality. Miracles give us a visual of, of a deeper reality that is happening within our hearts and lives, and that is that in Jesus we are given new life, a whole new life, and that we are being transformed, that we are being given a new heart and a new mind, a new attitude and new desires, that we are being made into new people. That is what, uh, that is what this miracle should give us a picture of, is of what God does for us when we come to saving knowledge of him through putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody say leaping. leaping. The, word, the word in our Bible that's translated into leaping is a rare Greek word, and I thought this was fun to explain really quick. It's a very rare Greek word, and one of the other times we find this Greek word for leaping is they took, uh, at some point long ago, they took the Old Testament scriptures that are mostly in Hebrew, and they translated the Old Testament part of our Bible into Greek so that the Greek reading and speaking people could read their Old Testament scriptures, right? And so this, this word in Greek that is translated here as leaping is also found in the Old Testament version of our, of our scriptures written in Greek, and it's in Isaiah 35, verse 6, and this is on the screen. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and then shall the lame man leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy. What is this verse in Isaiah? What is this word leaping? What is the significance of that word leaping being tied with this man leaping? It's that in the context of this passage in Isaiah, it's speaking about the promised rescuer that will come from God. The Messiah, the promised one, the one that God's people were waiting for. And when he comes, he will do these things. Well, guess what Jesus just did? The promised rescuer arrived, and that leaping became this man's leaping. Is that good news? 
And now I want us to see something that some already noticed. Look back with me. Go back up to verse 1. And let's skim through kind of quickly here. uh, And let me point a couple things out. Now, Peter and John were going where? To the temple, or that could, that could even be translated there, into the temple. Then we come to the man who was lame from birth, verse 2, and they laid him daily where? Outside the gate, at the gate. Is he in the temple? No. Keep going. End of verse 2. They lay him at the t- gate where he's begging, and who is he begging from? People that are doing what? Entering into the temple, seeing, P- verse 3, seeing Peter and John, and Peter and John are about to do what? They're about to... Go into the temple. Now, the lame man is miraculously healed. He's been, where has he been in relation to the temple? Outside. And everybody else that seemed to be walking by him get to do what? Go inside. And now the man is miraculous. Yeah, somebody's phone is excited about this even. That was awesome. Uh, I... I really, I really thought that was funny. I was not trying to cause problems for people. I'm saying, gosh, I always got to be careful what I say from up here, right? <laughs> I, know, I know who it was. He's all right. He's all right. Where are we? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know where we were. Okay, so... So the man was miraculously healed, and now let's see what happens. Verse 7, or verse 8, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and then what does he do? Enters the temple. And then I love this, a couple of verses later, verse 10, when the people recognize this man running and leaping and praising God, they recognize him as the one who used to be outside. Who used to, past tense. The temple system had been inadequate for this man. The temple system was what God had in place in the Old Testament for his people. The temple is, where, is, is what represented God's, our holy great God, creator of the universe. The temple represented his presence with his people. And it was going to the temple where people could go to the presence of God, so to speak. And it was kind of through the temple and through sac- making sacrifices at the temple and not even ourselves making sacrifices at the temple. We had to go to the priest to make a sacrifice for us. This is how we, in the Old Testament, followers of God went to God's presence. And so the temple system, and let me give some more context. There are Old Testament laws. There are lots of Old Testament laws against prohibiting blemished sacrifices. The kind of lamb that was to be sacrificed was what? Perfect, spotless lamb. And so there are these laws against blemishes, against disabilities, against imperfect animals being offered as a sacrifice. There were also Old Testament laws that the priests could not have disabilities. Now, were there Old Testament laws saying that a disabled person could not come to the temple? No, there were not. But the laws that were in place had caused there to be some stereotyping, and this stereotyping against blemishes and against disabled priests had been broadened wider than what God's word actually said. These stereotypes had created a a stigma against disabled people saying that they're to be despised, that they're less than. 
and therefore they were precluded from entering into God's presence. Now how significant is it that that Peter and John said, by the power of Jesus, man, rise and walk. And why did he not just walk, but he leaped and he jumped and he praised and he went where? To be with God. And that's, that's a picture for us that the promised rescuer is here. That Jesus came. That he lives. That he's the promised rescuer. And what Jesus did for this man, Jesus does today. Heals, transforms, brings about salvation, makes us new. It's because of Jesus that this man leaps over the boundaries of the Old Testament temple system and experiences the power of Jesus, experiences new life. And that's what this shows us is that Jesus can bring new life, a whole new life for you and for me. So let's continue, as we continue the passage then, I want to point something out as, as we start here to pick up the passage in verse 11. Luke, the author of this book, Luke, the gospel of, he wrote the gospel of Luke, a story of Jesus' life, and now Luke continues to write the story of God's people after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. He's writing this story of the early church in the book of Acts. Luke's pattern is just in the gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, Something that is common for the way Luke writes is word and deed. Or actually, maybe I should say deed and word. In other words, there's, there's an event, there's in this case this miracle, and then Luke always, it gives, it always gives Luke an opportunity to then bring an explanation. It's this attention getter, this oh my moment, and then here, let me tell you what is happening. And so that's what's happening here, is we've had our attention-getting moment, this miraculous healing. And so now is, is, is God's opportunity to explain, you know, these people that are in wonder and awe about what they're seeing, now God, through Peter, is going to give them something to think about. Verse 11, while the man that was lame and now is walking around, while he clung to Peter and John, can you imagine why he might have wanted to do that? While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though our power or piety we have made him walk? Where are they putting the attention? On themselves for this miracle? No. Look what, look what he goes on to say. The God of Abraham the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied who? The holy and righteous one. And asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. And you killed who? The author of life, whom God, had, who God then raised from the dead. 
And to this we are witnesses, the early followers of Jesus said, to this we are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. We are are witnesses that Jesus is alive. Verse 16, and his name, by faith in his name, by by faith, by putting our trust in the name of Jesus, not, not, not the magic word, using the word Jesus like a magic word. What it, said, what it means when it says in the name of Jesus just means in Jesus, in who he is, all that he's about, what he's done. When we put our faith in Jesus, that's what has made this man, verse 16, that is what has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So there's this miraculous healing, and it draws attention, and so then people wonder, what's going on here? And Peter gets a chance to explain, as as we just read, who our great God is, who Jesus is, the holy and righteous one, the author of life. Peter has this opportunity now with these people stunned in amazement, asking, what is happening here? What are we seeing? What is all this about? Peter has this opportunity to explain the gospel, the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Healing, this miraculous healing, is a gift from God. And you know what happens when we see gifts? Gifts cause us to praise God for his goodness to us. And the other thing that should happen when we see gifts, good gifts from God, is every gift should encourage us to consider the giver. Every time we receive from God's hand a gift, gives us an opportunity to lift our eyes and consider the giver. And that's what um, Peter is doing, is pointing to the giver. It's amazing to contemplate the miracle of this man that is now leaping and praising. But you know what true miracle we might want to reflect on a bit? Because perhaps it's been too long since we have. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've already come to life in God's family by putting your trust in Jesus, perhaps it's been too long since we've reflected on this miracle It's an amazing miracle to consider a lame man being walking again. But a true miracle is that God made a way for you and I to be saved. If you know about yourself, what I know to be true about myself, if left to my own devices, if if given over to sinful temptation if going my own way, if living in rebellion to God, if, if we're aware of that, it's a miracle that God has made a way for us to be saved. Forgiven of sin, brought into God's family, transformed into a new person from the inside out, that's a miracle for us to reflect on. And that, and that miracle of our salvation, we can never... Say, say this enough, that miracle of our salvation is not from our own efforts. It's not from trying hard. It's not from hoping to match up. It's not from checking religious boxes of I should do this and I should do that and I need to be a better person and I should try harder and I should pull myself up by the bootstraps and I should behave and then maybe God will like me. It's not that. 
Our salvation is not about our efforts or trying hard to be like Jesus. We don't have to try hard to be like Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus lives inside of us. The Spirit of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, God himself, by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ lives within you and empowers you to live for him. It isn't Derek trying to live like Jesus. It's Jesus trying to live, not trying. It's not Derek. It's not Derek trying to live like Jesus. It's Jesus in Derek living like Jesus. Do you see the difference there? Isn't that a freeing, freeing reality? Because if it's Derek needing to live like Jesus, good luck. And good luck might be a generous way of putting it. It's Jesus in Derek living out Jesus' life in Derek's circumstances and relationships. And, and that's what Jesus in you is doing. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, talking about this Christ in us, I have been crucified with Christ. We have to recognize this. We need to know that our old self died with Jesus, that we're not who we once were, that we are not doomed to sin and hell, but that we have been, the old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We receive God's free gospel gift of salvation by putting our faith in Jesus, by trusting in him, not trusting in ourselves to rescue ourselves, but by coming to the end of ourselves and needing him and putting our trust in him. And I'm not talking about once, back when you first became a Christian. Yes, put your trust in Jesus. And then keep doing it every day. Our salvation, initial salvation comes by faith. And our ongoing transformation and our eventual glorification into the likeness of Christ comes by the grace of God as we put faith in him. So, so receive God's free gift. By putting your trust in Jesus. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, keep putting your trust in Jesus every day for everything you need. So then as we, as we read the last few verses of the passage for today, I want us to see that Peter is emphasizing that all of God's purposes... And all of God's um, promises are fulfilled in Jesus alone. Wait, wait, wait till you see as we read these last few verses of the passage for this morning that Peter wants to show us that, hey, God is good. He is sovereign over all. He has plans. He is pursuing his people. He is going to rescue a people for himself. He has sent his son, the promised rescuer, into the world. And Peter wants us to see how all of God's purposes have been anticipated. The, old, the scriptures knew these things were coming and that they were going to be fulfilled in Jesus. So verse 17, and now brothers, I know that you you know, in, in rejecting Jesus and denying him and having him killed, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, that he thus fulfilled. 
And so we see this miracle, and people are in awe, and they wonder what's happening. And so they ask the question, you know, Peter, what do we do? What does all this mean? And so Peter has a chance to explain the good news of the gospel that Jesus died so that we might live. And then, as we said last Sunday, the gospel good news calls for a response. It calls for a response, not just once. Back when we first became followers of Jesus, it really it calls for a response daily, hourly. Verse 19, Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back. And what that means really there is turn back to God. Repent, therefore, and turn back. So that what? So that your sins may be blotted out. It had been foretold that the rescuer would forgive sins, and now that is true in Jesus. Verse 20, uh, repent and, and turn back so that, what else? In verse 20, so that times of refreshing may come. Ref- times of refreshing come in the life of Jesus. Keep going. Uh, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things. Jesus was, is, and is to come. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, he will set all things right, and all things will be set right the way that God intended them. He will make all things new. We will live in the new heavens and the new earth. That is restoration. And it's true in Jesus. Restoring all the things, end of verse 21, restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Verse 22, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. That phrase right there is important. You shall listen to Jesus in whatever he tells you. Um, This is God's final authority being revealed to us. And it shall be, verse 23, that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham... And in your offspring, remember this promise in Genesis to Abraham, that that in Abraham's family, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That is fulfilled through Jesus. God, having raised up his servant, verse 26, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. We've heard this morning, church family, we've heard this morning of of a healing miracle Excuse me. We've heard this morning of a healing miracle. We've been reminded this morning that perhaps what is true, the most amazing miracle to consider is that you and I have been given a way to God, that God has made a way for us to be saved. And so when we consider these gifts, when we consider these miracles, it calls us to look, lift our eyes and look to the giver. When we receive a gift from God, we thank God for it. And when we see God's gifts in the world, the best of which is, is the gift to offer of, free, of salvation by putting our trust in Jesus, when we see these gifts, we, we receive by faith. And when we see God working in the world, it, cause us, it, should, it should cause us to lift our eyes and consider the giver. To recognize Jesus. 
to recognize him as Lord and Master and Savior, to recognize that he is the promised rescuer and that he wants to bring you out of death into new life, out of the darkness into light, and not just once for your eternal security, but daily, wants you to, he, wants you, he invites you to recognize Jesus as Lord and Master and Savior and turn to him in repentance and faith. This, this two-part response of repentance and faith is to turn away from our old life, our old self, our sinful desires, our rebellion against God, to not just do that once, but to do it daily when we see the, the icky stuff bubble out of our heart and mouth and actions, to turn away from that, to repent of that, to ask God for forgiveness of that, and instead turn to God in faith. And this isn't just, this is a one-time thing for our salvation when we became a believer of Jesus, but it's also an opportunity we have daily to repent and turn to God. Dane Ortland, um, an author pastor, wrote this, and this is where we'll finish. I like this picture. Dane Ortland writes, the Bible teaches that each experience of despair, and so what he's talking about is this repentance, each experience we have in our lives of despair, of of self-despair, of recognizing our need for God, of realizing how short we fall of his glory. Every time we have an opportunity in our human life to experience that despair, he says the Bible teaches that each experience of despair is to melt us, listen to this picture, melt us afresh into deeper fellowship with Jesus. And then here's the word picture I like. It's like jumping on a trampoline, he says. We are to go down, picture a trampoline, right? Whether you've done one in a long time or not, picture a trampoline, jumping down into it, said we are to go down into this freshly felt emptiness, this self-despair, this recognizing our need that we fall short, that we can't do it ourselves. We, we, fall, we, we go down into the trampoline in repentance, in turning away from our mess, and then we let that, that response of repentance, we let that spring us up into a fresh experience of Jesus. Repentance and faith. Turning away daily and turning to Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you for your son. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us through Christ. We thank you that you are a God who is not distant, but a God who has come near to us by sending your son. Would our eyes see the cross on this stage and be reminded of the cross that Jesus willingly went to, taking our sin upon him, dying the death that we deserve to pay the penalty for our sins. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the cross. And we thank you that Jesus is alive. That We thank you that God, that through uh, we thank you that Jesus conquered sin and conquered death, that he is alive again, and that his life shows us that we too can have new life. We thank you, God, that you are a God who, who proclaims the gospel good news, that you don't leave us uh, stuck in our sin and alone in our mess, but that you pursue us through Christ, that you come near to us, and that you offer this way of salvation. So God, help us to jump daily into that trampoline. Help us, Father, to jump daily into that trampoline of, of self-despair, of recognizing our need, of, of, of um, 
repenting and turning away so that we can spring up with renewed faith, so that we can spring up into fresh heights with Jesus. God, we do. We take a moment right now to repent, to recognize our failures, to know our need for you. God, help us to confess our sins. And then, Father, as we come up from that low emptiness of of repentance, we turn to Jesus and we receive your forgiveness. We experience your love. We see your ongoing, transforming work in our hearts and minds. Thank you, God, for renewing our trust in Jesus today. We put our faith in him for all we need. In Jesus' name, amen.